0: welcome to the we are here for good podcast i'm pastor jen fight from good shepherd lutheran church in howard wisconsin and we remember that as the body of christ we are here for good and we are better together through this podcast i pray that you are connected with god's word and his good news for you and for all people and i pray that you are connected with one another hearing god's word together Today, our Bible study continues right on the heels of our reading from last week. Today, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. And in our gospel reading last week, Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And the general consensus was that Jesus was a prophet like the prophets of old. Some say John the Baptist, then others, Elijah, But then Jesus asked them, But you, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter speaks up and he declares, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Because of this bold and true confession, Jesus separates Simon Peter out from the other disciples and Jesus lifts him up. Jesus says to Peter, that he will build his church on him and whatever he binds on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever he looses on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's almost like Jesus is identifying Peter as his successor when it comes to leading this community of believers. Peter will be charged with the interpretation of Jesus' teachings and the teachings of old. To pour out grace and guidance on the followers of Jesus. Today, I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. It's the translation that we regularly use in worship at Good Shepherd. And I invite you to open up whatever Bible you might have with you or look up this passage online. As we read this story, what details catch your attention? What words or phrases pique your interest? And given what Jesus has just said about Peter being the rock that he's going to build his church upon, why is Jesus now speaking to Peter this way? And what other questions are stirred within you as you hear these words? From Matthew 16, verses 21 through 28, we will first hear verses 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus begins to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. This showing, it sounds almost like an apocalyptic term. Apocalypse means to pull back the curtain to reveal Jesus is showing the disciples what is to come, and we hear that he must go to Jerusalem. The earthly powers of this world will demand it, and it seems that God demands it too. It's like a divine imperative. Jesus must go to Jerusalem and to the cross. Jesus shows the disciples that he will die and he will be raised quite naturally, the disciples focused on Jesus' death, not his resurrection. It's like Peter only hears Jesus talking about his future future suffering and not about his future resurrected life. Is this perhaps why the disciples were so surprised when on Easter morning, Jesus came back just as he promised? And so hearing this terrible news about Jesus' future death, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Can you picture Peter taking Jesus by the shoulders and physically turning him away from Jerusalem saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. God forbid it. But that's the thing. God does not forbid it. It's part of god's intention it's the intention of god the father for the son to die in this way this must never happen to you but jesus said that it must happen to him who who do you think is calling the shots here peter just because jesus said that he would build his church on you doesn't mean that it's your church so Jesus turns again and says to Peter get behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me for you are setting your mind not on divine things but on human things. Back in chapter 4 Jesus was being tempted by the devil out in the wilderness and he says to get away from me Satan. Instead of commanding Peter, instead of commanding Satan to get away, this time Jesus tells Peter to get behind him. Know your place, Satan. Know your place, Peter. Get behind me and follow. Quit trying to take the lead. You are a disciple. You are a follower. Know your place. And then Jesus calls Peter a stumbling block. Clever, right? Because, you know, Simon Peter was just given the nickname rock. And now it seems that this rock will be both an asset and a liability. It will either be a sure foundation or a stumbling block. Peter, you are setting your mind on human things. When Peter made his confession of Jesus' identity, just verses before, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Then Jesus praised him, that this had been revealed to him by God the Father, but now Peter's feet are firmly planted on the earth, and he's not thinking of God, but of himself. You are setting your mind on human things. And the story goes on, verses 24 through 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for those who want to save their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it for what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life or what will they will, what will they give in return for their life For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So to hear these words from Jesus as the first disciples heard them, You need to forget about 2,000 years of Christian history. You need to forget about a world in which people wear pretty jewel-encrusted crosses around their necks. This world that this story takes place in, it's not a world of gold crosses. It is a world in which the cross is a shameful instrument of death. And in an honor shame culture, to die so publicly, so cruelly, so shamefully is something that any normal, sane person would want to avoid. No one would want to take up their cross, it only leads to death and humiliation. But then Jesus flips this understanding. It's only through death, it's only through the cross, that we will live. Life only comes through death, which is totally counterintuitive, right? And then Jesus casts a vision for what is to come. It's eschatological. This is the end, the future, the final judgment. The Son of Man is to come again at the end of time, and he will judge. This is all part of God's plan of salvation. The cross and the judgment, the suffering and the glory are all a part of God's aim to redeem a broken creation. And the only way to this future is through the cross. And to be clear, that is the last place that any of us want to go. But ultimately, the cross is the only place that we can go. Jesus concludes, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And this verse has confused Christians for a long, long time. What does it mean for Jesus to say that some will not taste death? And so this has been read many different ways Jesus could be talking about his transfiguration that's just going to happen in the next chapter. Or Jesus could be talking about his resurrection. Or Jesus could be talking about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church, upon the disciples. But of course, given the context, what makes the most sense is that Jesus is talking about the parousia, the second coming of Christ, the day of judgment. But how can that be? They will not taste death. Given that the Gospel of Matthew was probably written after the first generation of Jesus' followers died, why include these words? Is it a call for all people of all generations to be ready? To live? like the day is at hand, it's hard to say. And so it's with these big questions about the end of all things that we come to an end today. As you continue to think about this gospel reading, I invite you to consider what this story tells us about the difference between our perspective and God's perspective Why do we struggle so to see things the way that God sees things? Why does Peter get it right one minute and not the next? And what does taking up our cross look like in the world today? How do we deny ourselves to proclaim Christ crucified? As we hold these questions in our hearts, let us pray. God of the cross, God of the resurrection. We so often want to take the lead instead of following. Turn us, reorient us, make us faithful disciples who walk in your ways, even to the cross, even to suffering. For with you as our teacher and our Lord, even the grave leads to new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Blessings, my brothers and sisters in Christ.